0: Great to be amongst our family here in Manchester in the morning. Fantastic to see so much life and energy and the worship and to seeing so many children and babies being dedicated. We are blessed, aren't we? This morning, I want to share something on the whole topic of having confidence and courage in our lives in Jesus. I know that's something that we all want, isn't it? We all want to be confident and courageous as we follow after Jesus. Um, Just a little bit about myself, I've been here at the church about uh, 20 years and I grew up um, in Bradford in Yorkshire and growing up I have to say I wasn't a very confident or courageous young person. I was a little bit timid. A story from my childhood was when I was learning to ride my bike, we lived on a hill and I had stabilizers on my bike and if you're a parent you'll know there's a moment when you have to take the stabilizers off and help your children to cycle. Um, now, I wasn't really getting this, and I was refusing for my stabilizers to be taken off. So one day, the stabilizers were taken off, and I was literally pushed down the hill on my bike, and I soon learned to cycle. And my parents, they quite knew my sort of, uh, sort of timid nature when I was younger. When I was learning to swim a couple of years later, I wouldn't jump in the deep end until I kind of got a little push in the back, and then I soon learned to swim. Because they knew I could do it, but I just needed a bit of a push. Fast forward to my first Sunday here in this church, here in this room. I came as a young fresher to university. um, And because a couple of people knew that I played the trumpet, on my first Sunday here in this room with about this similar number of people, I was asked to come from the back and join the worship team on my first week. Like I didn't know anybody in the church, and I needed that push and then about 10 years ago, when um, God called us to go to Bible school, my wife, being the faith-filled woman that she was, was immediately, yes, we need to go to Bible school. Myself was a little bit more reticent, a little more doubtful, and I needed the push of my lovely wife and obviously God's to help me go to Bible school. You see, left on my own, without God, I'm quite a shy, introverted person. And this morning, we're all at different stages in our lives, and, and God loves us all, and he, he affirms our identity and our background. But it's amazing that with God, everything has changed in my life. Without God, I wouldn't be stood on this stage today. Without God, I wouldn't, I've been able to see so many things happen in my life. He has put confidence and courage into my life in so many situations, in so many circumstances, which I'm so, so grateful for. And today, I believe wherever you're at, you may be the most extroverted person here, and you must love to like, go and talk to people. Or you may be a little bit more like me, where you are shy, and you may be more introverted. Wherever you are at, God wants to give you courage. Courage. God wants to give you confidence. Jesus wants to affirm your calling as a chosen son and daughter and propel you into this week with his love, with his passion, and with his confidence in your life. He wants you to know his love and his power in the everyday life. And for some of us, we may need those divine pushes to take us into what God has for us. And maybe this morning, maybe one of those nudges you need. We're going to look at the disciples when they were first called and how Jesus gave them courage and confidence to be all that God called them to be. So let's turn to Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 to 20. We're going to look at when the early disciples were called and how they responded um, to Jesus. Incredible stories, really, uh, of how God just took hold of a a small group of young men at the time and changed their lives forever. You see, when we meet with Jesus and he calls us, our lives are changed forever. If you don't yet know that today, if you're here and you don't yet know Jesus, we'd love to talk to you more about his love and the gospel and the transformation that Jesus uh, can bring. And for many of us, if we are Christians here this morning, I want you to think about the time that Jesus first called you, when he first drew your heart, when you first knew something in your life that was drawing you to his love and his life. Let's look at where Jesus first called the disciples. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 to 20 says this As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Let's turn a few pages to Mark chapter 1, verse 16. To twenty, Mark chapter one, verse sixteen to twenty. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. And the last reference us for now, Luke 5, verse 1 to 11. Luke chapter 5 and verse 1 to 11 says this, one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him And listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let the nets down for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Amazing stories of these men who left their business, their families, their livelihood, everything to follow Jesus. And they did it on three words Come, follow me. They must have seen something in the eyes and the passion of Jesus that attracted them to heaven, that attracted them to the kingdom to leave everything to follow him. The third story, Jesus actually stole the boat. He'd actually stolen the boat. I mean, this guy comes along onto the the beach, steals their boat, and then says, come follow me. There must have been something so, so powerful in the words of the Saviour that drew these disciples to follow him. So sometimes we can look back 2,000 years later and lose kind of some of the urgency and the immediacy of how they responded immediately. At once, they left everything. The language is of immediate response. And for many of us, when Jesus called us, that was the same for us. We had to leave everything. We had to leave everything to follow him. Whether it was Our background, where we lived, what we were planning to do. We left everything to follow him. And that's the call of the gospel each day. To follow Jesus is just to give everything, is to lay our lives down, our livelihood, our family, our passion, our background, our preference. I imagine some of the disciples probably quite liked fishing, they probably quite enjoyed it. It was their livelihood, it was something that they'd grown up with, it was their family business. And Jesus said, you're now going to start fishing for people. He was taking that calling and taking it on to another level. So think back to when you were first called, when Jesus first looked into your eyes and said, I love you, come follow me, be my disciple. A disciple is somebody who just follows, who follows Jesus, who spends time with him, learns from him and represents him in this earth. That may have been a long, long time for some of you. But I want to call you back to that moment of encounter, that moment of following. Because in that place of encounter and meeting Jesus, we can know his calling, his confidence and courage to take his gospel into the world around us. Going back to my childhood, I used to do a paper round As soon as it was legally allowed, my parents wanted me to work. So, 12 years old, I could work an hour a week, and paper round was the business. So I was again pushed out of the house and got my paper round. did that for a couple of years, and on the same area that I did my paper round, there was a guy who um, did a milk round. And uh, this sounds a bit grand, but he kind of headhunted me from being a paper boy to come in and join the milk float. And uh, it was more money and all that kind of stuff. And uh, but I quite liked being a paper boy. It was quite good. You got good tips at Christmas. And it was you know relatively easy to do. Um, if you've done a paper round, you kind of get into a bit of a routine. You can do it without really thinking. Whereas the milk round was like really hard work, like running around and you know lots of, lots of hard work. But I had a choice to make. And I decided to leave the paper round and to become a milk boy. And at that stage, you know, it was quite a big decision at 14. Um, But, you know, in bigger things in our lives, we've had choices to make, haven't we? About, are we going to follow Jesus? Are we going to leave some of the things behind that we actually like, that we enjoy, that we find comfort in, and lay them down for the sake of the gospel and to follow Jesus? And that's what these disciples had to uh, find in that response. So an encounter with Jesus, whether it's on a beach like the disciples 2,000 years ago, or wherever you have met with Jesus changes the trajectory and destiny of our lives. You know, that's my prayer and our prayer for all the babies and the little children who've been prayed for this morning, that as they meet with Jesus, as they grow up, that will change the destiny of their lives and their families. Who knows what God will do with these 9, 10, 11 children that we've prayed for this morning. It's incredible, isn't it? As Richard said, we are so blessed and we want to pray for these children. It's such a blessing. My children have grown up in this church family. And I know as they meet with Jesus in the community of the King, it will change their lives. I can recall the night that I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. I was nine years old. We were on holiday in Northumberland And because of the church that I was in, we did good kids work and it was really uh, exciting and we got a worksheet to take away that week on holiday and it was all about baptism in the Holy Spirit. Um, So I'm really grateful um, to all of our children's workers here in this church because what they're doing is really planting truth and I knew the benefit of that in my own life and My parents prayed for me. My sister prayed for me. And because we're on holiday, we're we're in bunk beds. So my sister was on the top. She's a bit older. And I was on the bottom bunk. And my sister tells me that, you know, I was just filled with the Holy Spirit, started speaking in tongues, and I just went to sleep speaking in tongues. And I can remember that. And that's 30 years ago. So there's encounters with Jesus in our lives that help us to follow him, to make him Lord and King. And I believe that those encounters... Um, are important for us as we move through our lives. It's not just a one-off occasion that we meet with Jesus. I was healed of partial deafness in my left ear when I was 10 years old. And I can remember it like yesterday, the leads of the church, my parents praying for me, and just knowing an end to nights of pain, of earache, of going to the doctors, of going to the hospital, and it just going. And, you know, I I can believe for healing... Because I know it in the Bible, and I believe God is a healer, but I've experienced it in my own life. And I know many of us have in this room. You know, we're believing for healing um, for our son, oldest son, Daniel, at the moment. And I can believe for that because of the truth of the word, because Jesus is my healer. And I've got a testimony of that in my own life. In Revelation 19, it says, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And that basically means what God has done, he can do it again again and again, and again, and again. So you can meet with Jesus, know his healing, know his courage, know his confidence. And you can see that happen in your life again, and again, and again. The disciples met with Jesus and it changed their lives forever. By spending time with him from that initial calling, they grew In confidence, they walked with him. They ate with him. They listened to him. They went sailing with him. They were comforted by him. They were rebuked by him. They were taught by him. They lived their lives close up and personal with Jesus. And it changed their lives. They grew in confidence. But it wasn't all plain sailing. They didn't just start meeting with Jesus and they just became these amazing apostles. They had their ups and downs. Even the disciples who were living with Jesus for three years made mistakes. I've made a lot of mistakes since I first met with Jesus. Um, But each mistake, God has been gracious and he's helped me and he's inspired me to keep going, to keep going and to actually find confidence through those ups and downs to learn from him. You know, when we first have a calling in our lives, you know, there is a process of learning and discipleship. The Bible calls it growing up and becoming mature. And that's a process that we're all on. And that we can all inspire each other in. I remember in this country, um, when you're 17, um, you can learn to drive. And because I'd been busy doing my milk round and my paper round, I'd saved a bit of money up. So as soon as I hit 17, I was like, right, I'm going to learn to drive. I want to get a car. I want to be out on the roads. And my parents had this really old, like, fiesta which didn't go above 40 miles an hour, but they said if I passed my test and I paid the petrol, I could drive that car. So there was a real incentive to learn to drive. And I can remember my first driving lesson. Anybody else remember their first driving lesson? It wasn't pretty, and I'm so grateful that nobody was killed. Um, because I got in the car and like, just like stalled for England. Like, I couldn't get the clutch going at all. And I think quite a few people have that experience. But even more embarrassing, I couldn't really even turn the wheel properly. And I, I'd been on dodging cars at fairgrounds, and I thought, I got a little tractor when I was a kid, I thought at least I could turn the wheel. But I couldn't even get the hang of turning the wheel, and like the driver had to get me out of the seat and says, come on, son, I'll just do it this week, and we'll come back next week. And i was like, oh, no. <laughs> couldn't even turn the wheel. And like, That was £10 at, the moment, at that time, badly spent. Anyway, I went home, and he said, get a dinner plate, put it on your dining room table and practice with a dinner plate. So I got home and my mum and dad were like, what are you doing, Gavin? Anyway, I did learn to drive, eventually. And uh, some people think I'm an okay driver. Some of my friends actually think I'm a really cautious driver, actually. Um, But I think I'm okay. But tell that story, really, to tell... We don't automatically become skilled and competent overnight. And sometimes it's the same in our life in Christ, that our identity is secure, but we learn how to outwork that in our lives day by day. Sometimes we let the clutch up and we stall in our own lives, don't we? We make mistakes and things don't go quite to plan. We steer and we may go in the wrong direction. But the great thing is, is that God helps us to get back behind the wheel, to drive and to get on, because we're on a journey to a destination and he's going to help us get there, both individually and corporately, um, together. And it was through the disciples spending time with Jesus, through becoming intimate with him, through hearing his voice, learning and that they grew. And they began to then share the gospel, and to start telling people about Jesus for themselves. They started to heal the sick for themselves. They watched Jesus do it, then they did it themselves, they heard Jesus share the gospel, and then they did it themselves. And it was through spending time with him, learning from him. And there's something so key for us in our lives. As we continue to uh, spend time with him, encounter him, in our worship and in our serving, we will grow in confidence. We will grow in courage. Uh, That's the testimony of my life and the ongoing testimony that I believe we can know courage and confidence from spending time with him. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 5, depending on the translation, talks about Our competence and our qualification and our sufficiency coming from Christ. We don't have it in ourselves. We're so dependent on Jesus to be who Jesus has called us to be. We need Jesus in our lives. We need his spirit to help us. And that's why he keeps drawing us back to that place of prayer, that place of encounter, back to his word, to hear from him, to learn from him so we can move forward in our lives together. The disciples learned from Jesus of the power of a story. You know, Jesus basically just told lots and lots and lots of stories. He called them parables. The whole of the gospels are full of stories of Jesus telling parables to illustrate eternal truths or the eyewitnesses of the gospel seeing Jesus and then telling that story, healing people, eating with people, getting into boats, miraculous catches of fish, calming the storm. The Bible is full of stories and the gospel is full of stories. We all love a good story, whether that's a film or a story that we read, We love a good story. There's something in our nature as people that is attracted to that. And Jesus knew that. Jesus was the inventor of stories through the parables that we see in the Bible. But I want to really encourage you all, whatever your background, whatever your history, that you have a story to tell that the world needs to hear. Your story is powerful Your life story, what God has done in your life, where he's brought you from, what he's doing, the ups and the downs, the things that didn't go well, as well as the things that have gone well. Sometimes when you hear stories of people, they just tell you all the great things, and you think, I'm sure there must have been a few things that went wrong along the way. I'm sure there's a few things that didn't quite go to plan. And God wants us to share the whole story. And I believe that each of you has that. God wants to validate that. He wants to encourage you in that. You know, he wants to share that with those that you meet. You know, our story, of, our story of life has been impacted by Jesus. You know, his fingerprints are all over it. And those fingerprints of grace will lead others, I believe, to know Jesus. You know, sometimes you can't tell your whole life story because that could take a long time. But sometimes, when, especially if you're working with somebody, you've got a family member you can just start to tell them little bits. I've just, um, some of you may know that I've gone part time in working for the church here. And I've started in a new workplace and getting to know um, a new group of people. It's been really, really good, really exciting. And obviously, they you know, want to hear about my life and what I do the rest of the week, and it's great. But you can't like, tell them it all in one go. But you can start to tell them little bits, chapters, little bits of your life. And that starts to put the picture together of what Christ has done for all of us. You know, at the school gate, you may get two minutes to share with somebody if you're a parent. You know, in a, in a taxi or something like that with somebody who you may see often, share bits of your life story. Tell the testimony and the stories of what God has done, of what he's doing in our families and our friends, of what you're praying for and believing for, that journey that we're all on. And let's share our stories with one another here in the church community. Let's inspire and encourage and stand with each other. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter three and verse five to seven. Because I believe one of the key things that the disciples really grew in, in their confidence and courage, was from having not only Jesus with them, but having one another. And this group knew, um, or knew towards the end of Jesus' time on earth, that they were going to be commissioned to start the early church, to to be the ongoing presence of Jesus with the power of the Holy Spirit in them. And Jesus wasn't going to be there. So they had to kind of find relationship, community, family with one another. (coughs) Hebrews 3 verse 5 to 7 says this, Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as the Son over God's house, and we are his house if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. There's a real confidence and courage that we get from our relationship with Jesus, who's spending time with him in his word, in his presence. But there's a confidence that comes from being in the house, the spiritual house of God, the church, his people. The people all around us today, we are his church, his spiritual house. And I believe there's a confidence and a hope that we get in our own relationship with God. But being with others in the community is powerful. It's really powerful. That's why the Bible encourages not to neglect meeting with one another, building relationship with each other. You know, community, I believe, starts with a conversation. And conversation, you know, is is a link to a friendship. You know, we all want to have that friendship to not be lonely. And it starts with just asking somebody how they're doing. Can I spend time with you? Can I meet you for a coffee? Do you want to come around for a meal? Last night, some of the guys in Longsight and we had a curry together um, and some nice apple cake and all that kind of stuff. And uh, then we prayed for each other and just encouraged one another in the Lord. And those moments that we know through connect, through gathering on a Sunday like this are so crucial to us building our confidence and courage In the Lord. And I believe the disciples knew that, and it helped propel them forward into what God wanted them to do. So, just before we finish, I just wanted to highlight one of the disciples who's always spoken to me many times, Andrew. And Andrew is obviously named throughout the Gospels, but there's three instances that I believe are pivotal for what Andrew was called to do. In John 1, verse 42, he brought his brother Simon to meet Jesus. So he brought his family to meet with Jesus and powerful things happened as a result of that. Andrew was the disciple who brought the boy with the five loaves and the two fishes to Jesus. Take, you know, the story of the feeding the 5,000. This boy was there, a young boy with his packed lunch, probably feeling a bit timid, probably knew that actually he could do something to help feed these 5,000. But as a young boy... He needed somebody like Andrew to probably give him confidence and say, Come with me, I've got somebody who can do something with your pat lunch today. Andrew linked the pat lunch to the five thousand. He linked it to Jesus. He brought him along to meet Jesus. And then when the Greeks wanted to see Jesus, the Greeks were, were those who weren't, you know, Jews at the time. And Andrew tells Jesus of this in John chapter twelve. And it was a significant thing that this was the gospel going to all the world, not just the Jews. It was to the Gentiles and the Greeks and all of the nations were going to hear the gospel. Let's be like Andrew, who brought people to Jesus. In different ways and at different times, you could be the bridge that helps people get from their own life to meet with Jesus. Once people meet with Jesus, you know, Jesus just takes over their life and he loves them and... The rest is, you know, history. And we're, you know, here today, some of us, because people helped us to meet with Jesus. We had Andrews in our lives. It may have been your parents. It may have been another family member. It may have been somebody else who told you about Jesus. Most of us here will have had somebody like Andrew in our lives that helped us to meet with Jesus. Let's be like him. Let's bring people to meet with Jesus. Let's encourage them, invite them, be the link between their life and the Savior. So, before we finish, I want to give a bit of a prophetic call to some of you. That there are pivotal times in our lives when we have to make that decision to keep following Him, to find that confidence and that courage to go after all that He's got for our lives. I've told you a few of mine uh, in a small way, going from a paper boy to a milk boy. I did learn what it was to really work hard, the call to come here to Manchester as a student, that call to leave home, to grow up, to learn to cook, to take responsibility for my life, the call to go to Bible college for a year, to be responsive and obedient and to learn to listen to my wife, which is always a good thing, the call to live where we are and the school that we've sent our children to was an intentional call, we believe, on what God placed on us as a family And as some of you may be aware, the call over the last few years for myself to get more involved in politics and the city here in Manchester for the gospel, that has to be the call of God. Because nobody would probably want to do that on their own. But it is a step of faith and an adventure. So we don't just step in to faith and adventure when we first follow Jesus. He keeps giving us divine nudges, I believe, and pushes and calls Because he's got so much more for you and for me and for his kingdom here in this city and in this world. And I believe some of you may be contemplating a decision at the moment. You may have come here today thinking, I've got a big decision to make. God's put something on my heart and I'm not sure I can do it. I'm not sure where I've got the confidence and the courage to step out like that. And I believe by the Holy Spirit, there is a moment now where God's going to put something into your life. He's going to really strengthen you. He's going to really reaffirm that calling. Some of you may think that your call and your time has gone. Because God may have asked you to do things and you've not fully responded or you've been maybe too slow. God will say to you today, your time hasn't gone. Whatever age, whatever background, whatever situation you're in, the call of God is on your life. To follow him, to make him known, to know his courage, his heart and his voice of grace ushers us all into further things today. He wants us to go out into the deep again, to see his kingdom come, his will be done, to see miracles, to see healing, to see transformation. That's not just for the person sat next to you. That's for you. That's for me. That's for us all, to know confidence, to know courage. You may feel, I'm just too scared, I'm too shy. I'm, I am an introvert like you, Gavin. But my testimony is that with God, all things are possible. He can give you a voice. He can give you courage. He can give you confidence. He can make you competent. Not that we have got anything to boast in ourselves, but his grace is sufficient for our weakness. As Paul said so many times, his grace is sufficient for our weakness. He wants to build and strengthen us all in our confidence and courage in Christ. So for some of you, I believe there's a call to get more involved in the life of the church. To step up and do something new. Isn't it amazing what Ruth has stepped up with to get a children's area for the children in worship? You know, that takes confidence, that takes courage, that takes work, and she's done it. And in many other ways, many of you in this room, I believe, are already doing some significant things in the life of this church. But some of you, God's put something on your heart, and you're just at that crossroads of shall I do it or not? And I hope and I pray that today you will know God giving you the confidence to speak to somebody, to step out, to volunteer, to get on a team, and to do that. For some of you, it may be a call into your community. It may be where you live. God's been calling you to go and see that neighbor, to get more involved in the, the school where your children go. There's a call in the newsletter to be a governor or to get involved in the parent group. God will give you the confidence and courage, if that's you today, to get involved in that, to share his love to speak to that elderly neighbour and to make sure that they're okay. They'd love to hear from you, I'm sure. There's a call for some of you to your community today. And for some of you, there's a call to the city. Maybe where you work, maybe where you study, that there's a call to take the gospel into that place. There's a call to get more involved. In maybe in the residence group or uh, local politics or something wider in, the, in a larger organization like this, the NHS or your school or something like that. And you're contemplating, do I really want to step into that for the kingdom? And I believe if, if that is right for you, God will give you the confidence and he'll give you the courage. And my testimony is sometimes the confidence and the courage comes when we actually make the step when you're actually sat at home just praying about it I do believe God speaks to us but we actually get the real confidence and the real courage when we actually step out and that's where we need that faith from God and that encouragement from him so let's just stand in his presence Lord we thank you for what you show us from your word at how you called the early disciples. Thank you for the way that they left everything to follow you. Thank you for the way they just put their trust in you and made you love their lives. So we thank you for the decisions that many of us have made over the years to do that. But Lord, we go back to our first calling of when we looked into your eyes of love, your heart of compassion, and we responded to that. Lord, we remember that and we know that we want to meet with you again today to know your love and your power in our lives. We thank you for the callings that you've put upon all of our lives, whether it's here in the church, in our community, the wider city, in our workplaces. We pray by your spirit, you would give us that confidence and courage to be, or you've called us to be, Jesus, to share your truth, to share your gospel, to make your name known. Lord, for the specific decisions that people may in this room have to make this week, this month, this year, would you speak to them? Would you lead them? Would they find hope and confidence from being in this house, of talking those things through with friends, of talking those things through and getting prayer and support? Thank you, Lord, that we are your house. We are your people. And Lord, you're right now putting confidence and courage into all our lives to take your gospel into this city, to see this nation transformed, to see those people who are hurting and lonely and in need of your love. Meet with you, Jesus. That's our prayer. That's our heart. Lord, I thank you this amazing church family that's been such a place of confidence and courage for me over 20 years. And I pray for anybody here today who's feeling lonely, who's feeling on the edge, that you would just draw them in by your spirit and they would find courage. They would find confidence in who you've called them to be and the unique ways that you call each one of us thank you that each of our stories is important. We give this all to you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you, everyone. Thank you.